Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Brian Peacock here once again with Matt Williamson back from a week-long vacation. Matt, I hope you are recharged and ready to go and uh, we're able to just kick back uh, some much-needed rest at the beach this weekend. That's exactly what I did. A lot of pool time. I mean, I guess Hilton Head is a COVID hotspot, but we didn't go anywhere. We got a lot of takeout, a lot of delivery, hung in the pool, had a lot of beverages throughout the day. And yes, I think I'm rested. And first of all, thanks to everyone for holding down the Locked On NFL Fort here for the last week. You guys did stellar work, as as anyone would expect. But we're recording this Sunday evening, just to pull back the curtain. And I feel like I'm like fighting a hangover, even though I didn't have a sip to drink last night. Because I drove 12 hours straight from Hilton Head to Pittsburgh, got in around midnight, and today is just kind of a fog. So you might have to carry me through today. <laughs> uh, my, my back is already sore from uh, from carrying you the rest of the year. Yeah, I think point. I can do one more. No, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, for the long drive and being able to do this and get this <laughs> show in for the early Monday morning crowd. I do want to get some of your thoughts on all of the news last week. I know you at least had your your personal device with you and you oh, were yeah. able to see some news and I saw some tweets coming down and I actually even uh, gave you crap for one of them. I was like, yeah, put the phone away, Matt. Hang out at the beach, have a pina colada. Uh, don't, don't don't worry about what's going on in the world for a week. But I know you were still somewhat plugged into what was going on. So I want to get your thoughts on some of the things that happened, the the the, uh, the signings, the franchise tag deadline, the non-signings. We have to start, though, with our weekly COVID update, which seems to happen just about every Monday. Um, and now it's the players and the league. And we thought there might be a little bit of a confrontation brewing here between these two sides. Uh, and now today is really when it came to a head. And uh, well, let's start with this was over the weekend or, or actually this is, yeah, I think Friday, J.J. Watt talking about the negotiations that the league was having. And he said this on social media. Here's what we know and don't know. We want to play. We want to be as safe as possible. We have not received a single valid infectious disease emergency response plan from any team or the league. We don't know if there are preseason games or not. We don't know if there will be daily testing, semi-daily testing, etc. We don't know how a potential positive COVID test would affect contracts, roster spots, etc. Nothing has been agreed upon regarding what training camp will actually look like and how the ramp-up period will work. We want to play, and that's going to be the key word that we're going to hear from the players that we heard a ton of Sunday from the players. Hashtag, we want to play. Uh, this one from Zach Ertz. Playing football and feeling safe at work should not be mutually exclusive. Time is running down, and we need answers. Hashtag, we want to play. Uh, Zach Ertz going into some details saying, uh, we still don't know how many preseason games there's going to play. It's all the same. Uh, response basically infectious disease and uh, emergency response have not been received by all 32 teams and then Richard Sherman had this to say who's one of the player reps the NFL has ignored the safety recommendations from the experts that they hired we all love this game and want to go out and compete with our brothers the NFL needs to provide a safe work environment for us to do that hashtag we want to play so that's what's going on in the players minds they want to play but they want to be safe and it sounds like maybe the league 
uh, wasn't as quite prepared for maybe the ramp up in COVID cases that we've seen here in the summer. They thought things were going to continue on the path that they were on later in the spring. And things were, I think, going to be a lot more clear at this point uh, heading into training camp. But as of now, there's still four preseason games on the schedule. I don't think four are going to be played, if any. Mm-hmm. There is a reporting date for rookies a week away. Our rookies actually uh, on Monday can are, are supposed to report. Um, right. Injured players and then 28th, we're only a week away from training camp, supposed to open for every team in the league uh, next Tuesday, the 28th. So Tuesday is when, when rookies can show up this week. Players should already be getting tested. Uh, so it looks like the league is already a little bit behind getting this thing going. Yeah, they are. And... This is the first I heard those quotes, and starting with the Watt one, I really like the way they presented that. You know, I mean, in that there, it sounds like word has gotten out, obviously, in this hashtag that they're going to have a united front. It's going to be very different than the baseball situation. I mean, clearly, they do want to play, and you know, that they kind of have the luxury of saying, Hey, we're ready, we're the players, our whole job is to play set us up so we can do it. And I understand that the league offices, the owners, every specific organization has a massive challenge on their hands. And obviously the conditions are changing around the nation, you know, hourly, daily, whatever. But you listen to that Watt quote in all of them in general, just saying, we're doing our part, you know, just tell us what to do and where to be there and make it happen. It doesn't seem that crazy to ask. Tom Pelissero of NFL.com has been one of the most plugged in guys with all of this going on. He translated the hashtag we want to play posts that we saw Sunday. He said joint medical committee recommended a 21 day acclimation period. NFL asked players to show up two weeks early to accommodate it. NFL PA said no. NFL shortened acclimation period to accommodate two preseason games. Union wants zero. That's on top of remaining questions over opt-out language, testing frequency, etc. Clubs are enforcing management rights by setting reporting dates. Player must show up or face discipline. If there's a grievance, it'd be over unsafe work environment as players' posts portend. So that's the translation of what's going on right now from Tom Pelissero of NFL.com. Um, so they've, they've definitely got to get some things figured out. And the... the the weird part was the one that Sherman mentioned here, and and I've seen a few players mention this, and there's been you know Russell Wilson and Drew Brees and uh, marquee players involved with this campaign today on social media that the safety recommendation, recommendations that the experts that the NFL hired are not the protocols that the NFL is putting in place, and that's, I think, hmm. giving a lot of players some pause, and the NFLPA is like, wait a second, what is going on here? So uh, the, they need to figure this out pretty quick. Yeah, they better figure it out very, very quick. And one thing that that struck me too, though, is I'm not sure everybody realizes this, but even in a non-COVID environment in training camp, there's what they call an acclimation process where I think it's two days and it's not because they're worried about diseases and stuff. It's just easing people into, you know, back into the, with the team, back into football, back into the workplace. And obviously it takes on a whole new meeting this year, but you're right. I mean, it, it, I guess, I don't know, I want to hear more of your, your thoughts on it, because it feels like 
the more we're hearing about a day like today where there's a lot coming out, where there's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of social media buzzing on this topic where it was a lot quieter before that. I Maybe I'm an optimist, but I kind of take that as a good sign. You know, like the squeaky wheels getting the grease, things are happening, it's not being ignored, not that it ever was, but you know what I mean? There's some bargaining too, which is always part of it. Right. It's like, okay, these are, these are lawyers at the end of the day, the, the people in charge and doing the negotiations are lawyers. There's players and there's team owners and stuff, but there's so many lawyers are involved. So it's like Agents. the league wants to yeah. say, hey, we want four games. So that way they can get two, even though the players want zero. And who knows what it'll end up being. But the league says four because they want two. And so they have to negotiate all this out. And that's what we saw with Major League Baseball. And it took so long, but they don't have time to do that here. You're going to start missing games. And, and if you want to do that 21 day acclimation period and you don't have things figured out yet, we're going to start missing a couple of regular season games in that case. Um, and, and so that's that's the tough part for me it's like okay I get it you have to negotiate you want some bargaining power for things but if you don't figure it out soon now we're going to start missing regular season games forget about the preseason games yeah and I, I heard you talk a little bit about it last week and especially with, with Q in particular and he made a really good point and, and, and I'm up with words in your mouth but it kind of dawned on you too after that saying I think we have to have one preseason game, you know, like Q mentioned things like how are the sidelines going to operate? You know, where are the officials going to be? You know, like things you don't think about just as Joe average fan, you just think everything happens and that's just the way it is. But this year is going to have to be different with every phase of a game day operation, which is a massive undertaking. And I I mean, I I don't think any of us think there's going to be four, but I think it would really hurt the game if we don't have any preseason. It'll definitely be sloppy. Um, I yeah. will say that we'd be better to have 16 regular season games and no preseason games than to have a couple preseason games and then hit this big hiccup and then it affect the regular season too. So I'd rather have a couple of sloppy weeks. And I think we did see some sloppy football when you think back to the last time where uh, things were disrupted in the off season, when they had the, uh, the lockout in 2011, things were a little bit sloppy. I think early that season, if I remember, um, but it wasn't the end of the world. As long as we get 16 games, I think that is the most important thing or get the most amount of regular season games as possible. But I think it's almost as important to practice the protocols for a week of a preseason game than it is to actually even play the preseason game. Yeah, right, right, exactly. All the operations aspects of it. I mean, that is big, big business on a normal year. There's a lot to it, and I don't. I expect the play to be sloppy. I can, I can understand that. I can wash that away. Frankly, week one, week two has been sloppier the last couple of years than they were ten years ago. People aren't playing their guys in preseason. They're not working as diligently as as. And I wouldn't, I'm not, I don't mean to say they're not working hard, but they're not working as brutally in the, in the training camp environments and things like that. So early season sloppiness is fine with me. And I'm sure all sports endorse some of that, but I don't want the refs not knowing where to be, or we don't know how replay works because we can't get too close to each other. Or, you know what I mean? Like you've got to <laughs> right. work out the kinks or uh, where's the visiting locker room? How do I travel to a game? You know, things that we don't even think about that are the night before. And if you want a 21-day acclimation period before and after those games, then you've got to have that preseason game sometime mid-August. You can have another 21 days before September and get the season ready to go. So the acclimation periods is another big one. Um, 
It's going to be interesting. I don't know. Uh, yeah. A lot still has to play out. I want to talk about uh, some actual football here and some new contracts and some news from All last right. week and get some of your thoughts on the things you missed coming up on a Locked On NFL. Matt, you mentioned driving 12 hours to and from vacation. Did you have any car trouble? Did not. The little light popped on in my Volkswagen uh, SUV saying that the tire pressure was low, but I didn't do anything about it. That's good. If there did, if something <laughs> did happen to your car, you know where you could go, right? RockAuto.com. Reliably low prices, amazing selection. They've got parts for whatever classic car you want to drive to take out for the weekend, whatever your daily driver is, whatever car you take 12 hours to the beach and back. That's a quite a trek, by the way, 12 hours. I mean, that's it was, it, it was. I'm spoiled in California. I was thinking, man, I can just go two hours this way or two hours that way and either be at the top of a mountain or be at the beach. Um, that's one of the bonuses of living in California, although in Central California it gets pretty hot. But, man, um, you got to love going on vacation to drive 12 hours. So that's a good family man there, Matt Williamson. If you did have any car <laughs> trouble or if uh, there's any lingering effects from that drive, you go to rockauto.com and find all the parts you need. It's such an easy website to browse. Again, the selection is just unbelievable for all the cars and and super easy to find exactly what you need at rockauto.com to do it yourself whether it's engine parts or brake parts uh, motor oil whatever it is you need they have you covered at rockauto.com reliably low prices amazing selection let them know that locked on sent you in the who sent you box at rockauto.com all the parts your car will ever need all right matt there was quite a bit of news that happened especially with that franchise tag deadline and the Dak Prescott contract did not get done but there was a number of contracts that got done for some franchise tagged players I want to go over some of these Um, let's start with the players who did sign Chris Jones Derek Henry those were the big ones any takeaways from those massive deals Jones is a must-have type of guy I mean I, I understand that the Chiefs will face some challenges of being able to pay all their high-priced you know, guys now that Mahomes has them making a massive contract, and they knew that was coming. But an interior disruptor of his magnitude, he might be the second-best interior defensive player besides Aaron Donald in the whole league, is totally instrumental with how they play. I mean, you know they're going to score a lot. I think we did that Manning Colts comparison talking about them last week that if you have that awesome Hall of Fame superstar quarterback, you better have a pass rush and you can fill in the other things. Well, that starts with him in the middle, just disrupting people, causing problems in both the run game, and especially the pass game that almost no matter what, he needs to be a part of the equation. And I think he's only getting better. Henry is really probably the most noteworthy one. And we talked about this leading up that we thought this might happen because the the Titans kind of value the running back position and particularly his style of running back and as a foundation of their offense more than, say, the analytics folks will say you don't pay running backs. Like, I kind of thought this Munwhite was going to happen. And I haven't studied the contract in great detail, but from what I saw, it sure looks like it's basically a two-year deal. So, you know, two strong pay years of Henry, and he isn't even at the very, very top of the curve, certainly seems worth it for a team that 
I still has some quarterback questions. Plays a little bit different than the standard in the league right now. And by no means do I think he's not a difference maker, especially right now, or that he's about to fall off a cliff. I would have been careful with the contract, but from what I saw with the wording and the headlines and blurbs I read at the beach, the contract seems like it made an awful lot of sense. Yeah, the Derrick Henry contract, four years, $50 million, so it's $12.5 million per year, which is a lot for a running back. You know, sure. I don't know if it's something that I would want to do and put that many resources into the running back position, but I get why Tennessee did it, and it's tough because on one hand, you know, you want to be practical about that position, but on the other hand, it's fun to have a really good running back too, and it can be really important for your team, and they lean on their running back a little bit more than some other teams maybe, and he's not making $17 million per year like, per year like Christian McCaffrey either. So uh, the fact that he didn't go top of the market money I think was really key in this, and it's kind of the reason I'm okay with it for the Titans because they didn't have to go crazy with the money, and uh, there's 25 million of it guaranteed. So the second half of the contract, essentially, they can probably get out of if it turns out they want to do that at a later date. So, uh, you know, I'm OK with it, even though I don't love the big money running back contracts. Right. And I don't know about you. Do you do you think he has a little bit more than what we've seen as a receiver? Like, by no means, do I think he's going to be Alvin Kamara or Austin Eckler as a split out guy. But I, I think when you get him in space in the screen game, his reception numbers might increase this year. I'm he's so long that you would think yeah. he would be really good in the pass game, even though you know he's not a jitterbug or anything like that, but he should be able to make plays on the ball down the field a little bit. He's so good in the open field. He's such a unique player with his size because uh, when he busts out into the open field and that's where he shines and run, makes all these big runs. So, okay, well, let's save your knees. Let's save you getting chopped down like a tree at the line of scrimmage, get the ball out to you in space a little bit on a screen, get you moving a little bit, a little circle route, something easy, catch and run, get you in space and let you go and, and make some big place so I, I can see what you're saying with that even though he hasn't been used a ton as a receiver you would think that there would be the potential for more there yeah I, I think the numbers will increase it'll be a little bit more of a foundation of their offense set up screens dump it to them because um, really that was Deion Lewis and I'm sure if you told the the Titans coaching staff they would say we probably wasted some time spinning our wheels with Deion Lewis last year who's pretty shot Tennessee's awfully good. I mean, I think they're in it to win it and have a shot. And I think that are you going to pick them to win the South? I think I will. I don't know about the South. I don't feel strongly yeah. enough, but I like all three uh, of the teams that I kind of like Indianapolis, to be honest with you. I, I think mm -hmm. Indianapolis is the team I'll go with. I think Tennessee would most likely be. I wonder what Vegas is saying about it right now. I would bet that the Titans are the favorite. But I like Indianapolis. I, I kind of like the direction they're going. I'm very interested to see how that all works out. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think the Titans are an up-and-coming team. Uh, I'm somewhat of a Tannehill believer. I think this move, really, they're bringing back all the same troops, different right tackle, but they're pretty well set to you know roll it back exactly as they did, and that might be a little unsustainable. And maybe Henry does slow down a little, and then all of a sudden you're going, oh, no, what did we do? Is this a girly situation? But, boy, I mean, he was a force last year, and he isn't like anyone else. The whole paying running back conversation is just a good one. And I wonder, you know, you mentioned he's not at the, the, the McCaffrey level. Do you think Cook and Mixon and Kamara and those guys say, hey, I'll take a deal like that that's essentially a two-year deal? pay me quite well. It's a big boost of what I've gotten. 
especially guys like Kamara that weren't first round picks. And maybe that's going to be the way, actually all those guys, maybe that's going to be the wave of running back contracts we see, you know, in the next couple of weeks or whatever. That's an interesting question. I want to pause on that because uh, I have a certain take about that running back position and some of the running backs that are coming up with a big off season of free agents hitting the market in 2021. What will the cap look like? This could be a really significant year for how running backs get paid in the structure of those contracts coming up. So I want to talk about that next and uh, get into some other news around the league. I really feel like, and it's hard for me to say exactly where teams are going to be because I don't know exactly what the salary cap is going to look like, but with the direction that teams are already going as far as running back value, and I think the teams are still a little bit behind where the analysts and some uh, really smart people are like, yeah, don't pay him, period. And I think some teams are like, yeah, I don't care. We're still going to pay this guy because he's good and he's we like him and he's in our house already. We're going to pay him. Next offseason, that could really be the year where teams are like, well, we just can't pay Kamara and Cook where they even where we'd like to pay them because the salary cap is killing us right now. We've been planning for it to go up 40 million. Now it stayed the same or went down 40 million. I've I've seen numbers 50 to 70 million dollars that it could go down potentially or it should go down that much if the league doesn't step in and and do something about it. Running back would seem to be one of those positions that would get hit the hardest and it's already a position that's getting hit hard. So I, it's really hard for me to know what those contracts are going to look like. But if I had to say right now what an agent for Dalvin Cook, for example, would be asking for, that agent's probably mad at what Derrick Henry just took because he's probably asked would have wanted to ask a lot more closer to what McCaffrey's getting than closer to what Derrick Henry got per year because you know there's a, there's a little bit of a gap there. Um, I would imagine that that Dalvin Cook's trying to get something in the $15 million range, and they would not say yes to a deal for $12.5 million, which is which is the reason why I, I kind of am okay with the Derrick Henry contract because I feel like Henry was smart. He's like, look, man, I'm not part of the passing game here. Running back salaries are going in the wrong direction. Let's get this deal done now because $12.5 million is pretty good, and, and I don't know how many running backs around the league there, there's really zero that I would want to pay $12.5 million per year. Maybe uh, Saquon yeah. Barkley eventually would be the only one I'd be okay with going that high with in the future. But uh, that's a big question this coming offseason with running backs because they could get hit even harder when it comes to the salary cap and where running back value is. And I think it could really get reset. Yeah, you said a lot there. And I agree with just about everything you said. And I, I kind of felt like the wave of all these running back contracts and that class was obviously a really strong class, even outside the first round. Um, it was okay. These guys are going to make some decent money. You know I mean? We're going to pay the best running backs in the league. They're all still pretty young, but to your point, if the cap is going to get cut or even just stays the same, I mean, let alone these substantial cuts that, that had been rumored, that's the first position on the chopping block. You know I mean? Uh, I'm sure some people are sticking their neck out much like they did with Gurley and all these types before them. We know this is risky business, Ezekiel Elliott, but we're going to do it. We want to win now. We know this is a great player, but when in doubt, if I don't have the the resources to do that, that's going to be the position that's going to get hit hardest. It has to. It has to. Teams, you have to start making. And yeah, because... I cover the 49ers, so I think about their that team the most and how they're building that roster. They had to make a really hard decision trading away DeForest Buckner. They didn't want to pay a defensive tackle $22 million. 
Mm-hmm. You've got to pay defensive ends big money. That's not going to change. Offensive tackles are expensive. Corners are expensive. Yeah. Quarterbacks are expensive. You can't start paying interior defensive linemen, interior offensive linemen, safeties, tight ends, and all of these position groups want to grow and they all want to set a new market, set a new market, set a new market. You can't pay every position group. You can't pay one player at each group $20 million. So where's the cheap positions going to be? I think by far the easiest one to say, look, this is a position that used to get paid a lot. We're not going to pay this position a lot of money anymore. Running back is just that one. It's too easy. I would pay all those positions I just mentioned more than running back. And I think teams will have to really start to budget that way going forward. Yeah. And as you were saying that I was sitting here thinking, well, who else? I mean, guards probably are going to get shortchanged backup quarterbacks. You know, I mean, some of these teams that are paying eight, nine million a year for Chase Daniel, like Chase Daniel signs. He's in trouble. Finally, that guy's in trouble. Right. Exactly. And I was also thinking, the trend on defense, which wasn't happening as fast, is those active linebackers, big safeties, Derwin James types. Obviously, he's in the 1%, though. I thought those guys, you know, when we were kids, safeties didn't make anything. You know, I mean, I, I think those guys are starting the middle of the field, fast, versatile defenders. We'll just call them that. And yeah. they could have any title by their name. I thought those guys were going to start making big, big money. But maybe that progression, that maturation of where the money goes is going to be halted a lot too, you know, to no fault of their own. I think the one thing that's going to hold safeties back is that there's a lot of really good ones. There's not as many teams hurting for a really good safety like there is for, you know, trying to find a left tackle or trying to find a a defensive end or a, a corner. It's just there's fewer of those players out there and there's a lot of pretty good safeties, even though the value of a safety I think is at an all time high. And we're going to see some really great young safeties come up for for free agency with Jamal Adams and Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick. And those guys are going to get paid, but I think there might be a big gap between the top and sort of the middle of the market at safety, just because a lot of teams will be like, well, look, why do we have to pay, you know, whoever a whole bunch of money because there's already too many good ones. And there's guys that are making the second wave of free agency that we can sign for cheaper. So the safety position, there's just enough to where I think it will keep the non-stars down to a level that could be pretty cheap for some teams if they want to build their roster that way. But yeah, it, I think you're right. And a lot of it, we, we talk about this a lot. I mean, if you walk through the mall, you'll see human beings that look like safeties and running backs, but you don't see them that look like Demarcus Ware or Joe Thomas or Orlando Pace. You know, there's just fewer of them in the world. And so there is going to be a little more of a surplus of those guys Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, but they are super valuable. I mean, these tight ends are so good receiving and people attack the middle of the field with great efficiency now. I just wonder what the ripple effect will be on the field. And it's harder because so a linebacker and a safety has to be so good and and teams are throwing so much at the middle of the field now and and putting their best receiver in in the slot in big time situations you have to be really good against the run and you have to be able to cover and you have to be able to do a lot and be a versatile player. Whereas I think where a team can start to save money and I, and I, I, th- I really feel like teams should do a better job of this, especially with the, uh, and you're seeing it sometimes with linebacker a little bit, but interior defensive lineman. I, I think that's one position I would never pay the big $20 million, not because really? there's not really good ones. It's because that's one of the few positions I think in the league, like running back where you can platoon, what you need. So you can go like snacks. Harrison, for example, is on the street right mm-hmm. now. If you need someone to stuff the run on first down, 
go get a 350 pound guy that is immovable, Cheap. right? And you can get him for a lot less. And then you can pair him with an undersized pass rushing style of, of defensive end slash hybrid defensive tackle that you can plug in there and filter through a guy who's also a little bit cheap that and and combined with those two players you're getting a lot of high output and you don't have to to pay high end money so I, I think pl- platooning players and and having um role players filter in and out of the lineup i think we're seeing it on offense a lot with tight ends and wide receivers and and especially running backs i think on the defensive line teams could do a better job of doing that and not have to pay one super stud player because it's going to get harder and harder to do that with linebackers and safeties because you have to be able to do both but you can really pick and choose who you have out there especially on the interior of your defensive line Hopefully, obviously, it doesn't come to all this. And this has been the doomsday scenario we've talked about for months now. I mean, this has worried me more about than not having fans in the stands or players missing two weeks because of COVID. I mean, if the if the cap does drastically drop, it's going to hurt the game for years and years to come. And I'm hoping the rumblings that we've heard these last two days or so are – scare tactics or letting the fans know that it's a possibility that those that aren't as in tune to it. But I tend to think that the, the owners and the league are too smart to do, to let it happen. I mean, that they're going to take some kind of loan out against their own future success to ensure that the cap does not get this destroyed. I agree with you. And with the whole hashtag and all the players with the we want to play hashtag, it's really clear that that was orchestrated. Like that's a negotiating tactic. I think right. that's maybe the last the last gasp of this thing to be like, okay, here, let's flex really quick. Let's get this done because we have to because we've got to get some of our players to camp this week. And I, I'm, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, and I think you're right, that that probably means that something is going to get done here. And that was the last, you know, um, the last flex of the players to try to get this thing done and get over the hump and, and for them to come together because everybody loses if they don't get it figured out, which makes me think that they have to get it figured out very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a prediction on Sunday. What is it? March 19th or something. Or not even, what am I talking about? March, <laughs> July, <laughs> July 19th. July 19th. I mean, I, I bet it comes out in the next week or so. The players agree to play two games in the preseason and the owners agree to not destroy the salary cap, you know. And meanwhile, yeah. the owners are like, "We weren't going to." And it. they don't do the escrow thing or whatever we heard about. That right. was one of the possibilities. So um, I think you're right. I like that prediction. So yeah, that was July 19th, Matt Williamson prediction. Uh, Matt, I'm glad you're back from vacation. March. I hope you are recharged. I, I wish we had better news to talk about on this Monday. It was kind of a, a gloomy episode of Locked On NFL, but uh, I think there's a lot of uh, happier. Uh, episodes to come where we get to talk about a lot of football and we get to report that hey they figured it out and football's coming i think that is the case i mean to to, to end not on a gloomy note i think we're going to see football sooner than later i think people are going to be reporting to their team soon those poor rookies joe burrow will actually get a Bengals helmet i mean you gotta think about those type of things like he hasn't even like been fitted for a helmet yet i mean that's all you know we we haven't done anything yet uh, uh, James Rapine and I were talking about that last week. They've never, they haven't met Joe Burrow and his head coach haven't met since he's been drafted face to face. Like that's crazy. He doesn't know the way to the facility yet. <laughs> he might get lost. Oh man, that's great stuff. Okay. More locked on NFL coming up all week long. We'll have another Twitter Thursday. Find me at BD Peacock on Twitter. Matt is at Williamson NFL. We'll have all the latest breaking news all week long right here. Locked on NFL.